From the podcasting studio in the Reynolds School of Journalism, this is Residual Culture. A media mixtape. I'm Ben Birkenbein. And I'm Joey Lovato. And Joey, guess what? We've got a guest. We have a very special guest with us today. Yeah, big guest. So, uh, hailing all the way from, I believe, the like Dallas, Texas area, our guest today is Mr. Mark Ribier. Right on the money, baby. Happy to be here. Did I do the uh, did I do the pronunciation okay on the last name there? Yes, yes, you did. You landed uh, it. Those are that's seven years of French instruction, basically <laughs> trying just trying to get that one correct. It paid off in this one moment. It paid off. <laughs> Thank God. That's the reason yeah. that I that I studied for that long. Yeah. You know? yeah. So so for those of you who, for that don't know Mark, Mark is a you you want to you want to tell the people. I don't need to explain yourself to you to the people. You explain them. You, <laughs> sure. You explain let me yourself. lay. I'll lay myself bare, and yeah. show you the inner darknesses of my soul no i'm a i'm a improvisational musician um slash comedian i don't know it's uh it's a one-man show um i make up songs from scratch and improvise over them and uh and uh, i'm a, I'm a full-time idiot <laughs> how yeah. I mean, I just right off the bat, how'd you get into it? Like, I want to know, like, what, how'd you get into, because you're, you're pretty popular on YouTube. That's kind of where you do a lot of your stuff. That's kind of where you have a big following, correct? Yes, that's right. And so how did you get into it? Like, what, improv mu- music is kind of a pretty niche, like, area. Yeah, um, well, the, the, the performance that I'm doing now and, and the sort of videos that I'm putting out now all... It's a marriage of the two things that I've been doing my whole life, one of which is acting. I grew up acting, and that was sort of my career trajectory before um, before I dropped out of college maybe 10 years or so ago. And, uh, and then the other thing I've been doing is playing piano my whole life. So when I dropped out of college, I started learning how to make music, um, did that for years and years just tried to do it and then uh, when I moved back here to Dallas from New York about three and a half years ago um, I started experimenting with this live looping uh, sort of setup and that led to this performance that I'm now doing uh, you know all over the 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 great city of Dallas and hopefully beyond soon. Well, you have reached Reno, Nevada, which I believe is the top of the chain. Yeah, I think that's I think this it. Is, I think this is peak peak uh, musical center yeah. here. You know. Yeah. yeah, I can hang up my. I can hang everything up. I'm done. Just play casino hotels. You know, that's, that's right. That's where, yeah. it's, that's where you're going, man. Just <laughs> Reno rodeo, casino hotels. It's gonna be epic. I should be a resident artist at one of those 4 a.m. wedding uh, places. <laughs> oh it would God. be nice, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, even in your description of yourself, uh, and this is by way of giving our listeners a little bit more context. So when you were talking about, you know, the performance, but, you know, is it improv? Is it comedy? I, w- I think one of the, the really interesting things about your performance is that what kind of emerges organically from uh, the creation of the music, number one, so people can see that live in action, which takes a tremendous amount of skill, but then you'll launch into uh, lyrics, like a, almost like a freestyle kind of improv uh, lyrics over the tops of your beats. And sometimes it's it's very sweet. Other times it's like hilarious, right? And you get, <laughs> you get off on these little, um, you know, little runs that, that, that are actually quite, entertaining and it's just a really a really interesting creative process to watch well thank you yeah yeah 
So uh, you 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 recommended. Uh, so we, we we always do recommend recommendations on the show, and you. Before before we start recording, you had recommended some songs to both Ben and I, um, and we have since listened to those songs. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, we have. Yeah. What and did so, you What did you think? Well, this is where we'll start. So, do we want to do these one at a time, Joe, or you, you want to just take them as a as a whole? Uh, let's, or? Do, let's do them one at a time. But I think right. we should also mention that you, like on a semi regular basis, recommend music just on your YouTube channel, and then this is. I mean, this is kind of an extension of that almost. I do. Yes. In fact, I actually just recorded um, my video for the recommendation of these three tracks this morning. So, um, yeah, this is it's very relevant. And uh, yeah, you'll see that up tomorrow. Sweet. All right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which 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 one should we start with? Um, I don't know. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do Serge? Serge Gainsbourg. Does that sound good to you, Mark? Serge. Yes. The master. Yeah. So good. So now here's the interesting thing. So the, the track is called Melody, correct? Or wait, it's Melody. Is there a fuller title or did I, I just put down Melody on my notes? No, that's it. Yeah, yeah. It's just okay. Melody. Yeah. Um, so this is really interesting because I, so I had this moment where I was wondering, okay, well, first of all, let's just say Serge Gainsbourg, um, kind of like, uh, you know, an, a musician that does, that kind of spans across many different genres of music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's done, he's done an incredible amount of stuff. And if I'm not mistaken, I mean, I always have this perception of Serge Gainsbourg as being like kind of like the epitome of cool back in like the <laughs> 1960s and 70s. Would you Absolutely. would you agree with that assessment? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm too young, but I just don't. <laughs> I don't have that same perception of him. You don't? You think... Uh, I don't yeah, think just not, an I iconic think... Frenchman, you know. Just yeah, that, that's yeah. that's all. I, that's like that's what I think of Serge Gainsbourg when I when I think of him. I'm just like this is like he's super French. <laughs> that's like most of what I've got from him. <laughs> yeah, and it's to me it's sex. It's like absolute yeah. sex. And you know he had a a long sort of uh, storied relationship with Jane Birkin, who appeared on a lot of his records and um, and was an actress. And yeah, he he was just very much in the French spotlight for you know. I guess until his death. Now I have to ask you, Mark, because I was wondering if you gave us this recommendation because Jane Birkin actually shares part of my last name. <laughs> oh right? my so God, you're right. My last name is Birkin Bine, which of course in uh, in Norwegian Birkin means birch, right? Really. And then the the second part Bine or Bine is leg. <laughs> birch so, leg. So birch it's like leg. Skis. It's well, yes. Actually, there's a much longer history of my my family name, but yes. Uh, basically, everybody in Norway, which is a lot of Joey's listening audience, apparently. <laughs> a lot of my friends are from. <laughs> I, I had roommates from Norway. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I've been told that everyone in Norway knows my last name, but no one has it. <laughs> How interesting. And so, why, apparently, why is that? So apparently, uh, the the Birkebeiners or Birkebeinerns. Right. It's this band of brothers during the Norwegian Civil War back in like the I think it was either the 14 or 1600s, uh, at which point the, the the rival clans had sort of split. And there was a baby prince who was the heir to the throne who was kidnapped and taken out of Norway. And so the Birkenbein brothers, the, the Birchlegs, uh, infiltrated the castle and returned the baby prince to Norway uh, to reclaim the throne. And there's this very famous epic painting of th- the two Birkenbein brothers crossing over the mountain and the way that they kept their legs warm was by ra- wrapping them in birch. <laughs> wow. 
Is is My- your last name that cool, Mark? <laughs> 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 I mean, I don't think I have nearly as much to live up to as Ben does. No. I mean, yeah. So it's, I've always it's hard. I, it's hard to outdo Ben. <laughs> I've always, I've always joked that I will return to Norway to to reclaim the throne one of these days. <laughs> one of these days, you'll you'll emerge. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's great. Well, anyways, uh, enough about, about the, me. I want to talk about the song. Yeah, enough about me. So, so Joey, I'll write what the were song, you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joey. What were your thoughts about the song? What did you get out of it? Um, I liked it. I like I like French m- music a lot. Actually, I just I love the way that the f- like French sounds as a language, and I kind of liked the smooth like melodies of the song. Kind of it, it builds a bit. It's kind of starts a little slower, and then it, I don't know. I think his his vocals really come in about halfway through, and I think that's what I really enjoyed about it. And I just love the the flow of French compared to other languages. Um, I speak a little bit of Spanish and I'm half, half Latino and uh, I don't know. I've never really enjoyed the way Spanish sounds as compared to French. <laughs> so Yeah, man, there's, I mean, if there's anyone to make you love the way French sounds, it like, especially in this track, Serge Gainsbourg is just like, just killing it with that delivery. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and and here's something else that I, I wanted to like bring up before we like. I guess we're starting to talk about the music already, but like the way that you listen to music, Mark, is so much more in depth than the way I listen to music. It's just you. I mean, <laughs> I have been playing guitar for a few years, but I, I I don't know. I've never. I don't. I don't think about music the same way that you do, and it's it's really impressive and, and uh, frankly like beautiful the way that you describe music and and the way you see it. Well, I don't. I I wish I could. Um, I wish I could expand on that, but it's just. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just like. It just, it just comes so natural to you. It seems. Huh? I guess I don't know. I'm just listening to it. Yeah, but <laughs> but yeah, it's like about yeah. All of the elements come together to create a, you know a larger whole, and there's like there's a sound, of course, and a vibe always, but like you know, sort of attributing that to the various components of the song or what's interesting to me, you know, like finding out what's responsible for the vibe. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of materiality of sound, right? Sort of grounding it in whatever, like where those sounds come from, how they're produced, how they all fit together to create exactly. kind of this orchestra of sound. So yeah. Why, yeah. why was, why is this a song that you were recommending to the masses? Um, You know, I, I don't really, I think I, I don't, Ha- the, the the only reason I have for recommending the songs that I do in those videos are, well, it's twofold. The first reason is I think that each of these songs are like really special in their own way and deserve to be listened to, you know, just like the song alone deserves, really deserves a listen and your attention. But then okay. the second reason is that I I try to find three songs that are, different either in different genres or really exploring a different sort of area of the musical landscape or from different time periods and so this is you know 70s french the other one is modern the other one is like some you know strange techno it's just i'm trying to give you a little taste of uh you know a first course a second course and a third course yeah i like that yeah i like that i do. do do we want do we want to move on to the second song yeah, I think we can. I would just say this uh, also as a as oh, a yeah. side note. So Serge Gainsbourg also, um, you may know Joey. So Serge Gainsbourg, one of Serge Gainsbourg's um, daughters is Charlotte Gainsbourg, who also is a currently in movies and stuff. So you probably have seen her actress. there. Marvelous actress. Yeah. Yeah, really, really great. Um, and uh, Serge was also married before Jane Birkin or Jane Birkin, which is where the phrase the Birkin bag comes from. Is it really? Right. Yeah. 
By the way, some, one, some of my friends tease me sometimes by calling me Birkin Balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, it's very professorial, don't you think? Very, very, I have a very sophisticated illustration in my mind of what that looks like. Yeah, well, somebody actually said this to a. I, I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> if if by if by decorative and very expensive, you would be correct, sir. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Dried and hung in a boutique. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, anyways, bef- <laughs> Joey's losing it in the studio. It's fine. Uh, I would say so. Before he was married to Jane Birkin, uh, he was also married for a brief. Uh, stint to Brigitte Bardot. Did you look this all up before the like, oh, podcast? Oh boy! No, I but actually, about I, that. I kind of remember this. You because, just know this off the top. Yeah, of your because head? I actually God, you, man. because Brigitte Bardot was like, I mean, she Ugh. was she sort of embodied some of the the sort of sexual revolution, became the sex icon, you know, in the 1960s, etc. And coincidentally, she also released some pop some French pop songs in the 1960s. Oh, okay. Um, which I listened to when I was like in, when I was on like a French pop wave, you know? <laughs> ah, um, yeah. So yeah, Moi Je Joue. It's a kind of an interesting and somewhat annoying French pop song, but you know, endearing. The yeah. only- <laughs> she was the Marilyn Monroe of, of France, you know? She was, absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, all right, so let's move on. Let's yeah, move yeah. on to the next one. What, what, what's less, next on the list, Joey? Um, um, how about uh, the Ultimate Care 2 uh, Excerpt 9 by uh, Matamos? Matmos. Oh, Mat- yes. Matmos. Yes. You're going there next, huh? Yeah, okay. I'm going to go to the, the weird techno one next. Um, I love it. This one was, it did. it's not my style. I'm going to I'm gonna just put that out there. I didn't like not like it, but it's just like this isn't something that I would seek out or actively listen to. Did you Totally happen, understand. Did you happen to look at the... Um, you know the origin of this thing, or what what the concept was behind the album. No, you know that I come into these podcasts completely unprepared every week. Well, <laughs> in Mark's defense, I believe he explained it even in the text message to you that he sent to us. Did he? Yeah. So I Mark, did. You, I did. Yeah. Do you oh, do you want to do you want to remind everybody? I'm so sorry. So Mark, do you want to remind <laughs> Joey what why this album is an amazing feat? Like wh- where this comes from. Yes, this album is significant because the entirety of the album is made exclusively from samples of an Ultimate Care 2 washing machine. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cool. I I'm I'm literally like looking through my texts right now and feeling very Every ashamed. single sound on the album, it, whether, you know, slightly manipulated or not, it's the entire album is recordings of an Ultimate Care 2. I I now have a completely different view of the song and would like to retract my previous statement. And now you have to go back and listen I to, do have to all 38 minutes of, of that glory. I think excerpt nine, that one that I, that I recommended is like the, it's the best, it's like the most musical, I guess, uh, <laughs> track on the album. You know, it's the one that's definitely the most accessible, I think. You'll never do laundry the same again, Joey. Yeah, I'll have to, I will have to go back and listen to it. I, I may have a different view on it, but I mean, just from a musical standpoint, I still, for me personally, it's not something that I would actively seek out and listen to. But the, how did you find this? Um, you know, I don't remember, but uh, a couple years ago, um, for a birthday, me and my friend went to Houston to Day for Night, which was a festival um, that took place in like a, a decommissioned post office building. It was really nice. cool, and there were a lot of awesome electronic artists there including Matmos what well, was very excited to see and they 
performed like a good chunk of this album and it was the coolest thing you what you go into the room where they're playing and on the stage they just have a fucking washing machine and that, that's, it's that is amazing oh dude it was it was mic'd up like there were probably 30 mics on the inside outside up what? around and together the two of them stood on each side of the washing machine and just created this music it was uh it was it was pretty incredible that is incredible. In fact, if you looked at the, I, I looked up the um, the uh, the cover to the album, which is really great because it's the washing machine, but it's kind of like sculpted as if it were a piece, uh, like a sculpture, like an art piece. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. Once it's again, brilliant. I'm brilliant. I love just, that album cover. <laughs> yeah, it, that is. I, the only thing that I was prepared with was the album cover, Ben. Yeah. Unlike you, who came in with infinite knowledge about everything. Well, <laughs> uh, well, and this connects actually pretty closely to some of, well, at least a part of my past history as well, because I believe this album was released on Thrill Jockey Records, uh, which what? is out of <laughs> out of Chicago, which is actually quite an important record label. And they've got some amazing artists, but they have, they, they run, they span, the artists span from like kind of uh, pop music artists like The Sea and Cake, uh, yes. as, as well as down to like experimental music like Matmos, and importantly, uh, they also put out, I believe, a lot of music from Fred Anderson, who was this this institution in Chicago on the South Side uh, for his jazz club. Like jazz musicians would travel to Chicago, and then after their set, they would all go down to Fred Anderson's jazz club and like just freestyle with Fred Anderson really? himself. Yeah, but but the 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 kind of unfortunate part of the story is that I believe that place has now shut down. Oh. Like Fred Anderson finally just couldn't do it, but he was he was the epitome of one of these independent jazz artists who just did it for the love of, of music and opened this club, invited young players to come in. And so if you were lucky enough, you could go down to Fred Anderson's and I forget the name of the, the club, but you could go real late at night and then actually see either an up and, up and coming jazz musician and that would later become huge, or it was somebody that was huge and you got to see like the, the set after the set. Wow. That yeah. sounds like a special place. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff. What, um, is there something that like, and I know you already said like why you picked the number nine, but um, is there something? Have you ever tried to like emulate this style of music um, with your own music with, in terms of you know using unconventional instruments? Um, yes. Uh, the, the, well, before I started doing this live looping thing, I was uh, I was making music under a different moniker and um, you know playing around with. I was basically making beats, sort of mostly hip hop inspired, but. Uh, it went in many different directions sonically, and one—I I can think of one instance where I just went around my apartment and sampled a whole bunch of shit. I uh, sampled a bicycle chain, put a playing card in the bicycle chain, hung up a phone, you know, threw a threw some metal objects on the ground, and then yeah, compiled them all together. But the the thing that's so cool about this is that it's it's just one source, you know, it's one piece of source material. And yeah. I just find the idea of, you know, um, limiting yourself like that to be, uh, very fruitful in this case, but it usually is when you say, okay, I'm going to make something, but I can only do it like this. Usually, you know, if you have good instincts, the result is, is really interesting. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. Actually, it kind of reminded me. I mean, when I when I kind of read a little bit about the, um, 
you know, the concept behind the album. Um, I was reminded just briefly of um, Dancer in the Dark starring Bjork, <laughs> Lars oh, v- yeah. von Trier. Okay. Because uh, it's one of the saddest movies I've ever seen, yeah. by the way, yeah, um, okay. as as one does. Yeah, it's really great. But, you know, so if I remember correctly, uh, Bjork is, it, and I forget her character's name, but she's blind in the film and she tries to get a job like in a factory. But then she's kind of struck by these moments of just all the sounds, the soundscape that is around her. And she launches into these kind of dreamlike sequences where she's performing and and all the machinery becomes the the melody and the music. And then she'll compose this song uh, kind of uh, as a part of it. So it's interesting. Wasn't her, oh man, I think her name is Selma, actually was the character's name, I believe. In the, did you just look that up? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just try to I say gotta, it. Like, I gotta. Oh, you know, I gotta come just with some information. Here. Ben's Ben's showing me well, up at every turn. Here. Well, but what, what's what's hilarious about that is that he already outed himself. He's like, "What? What are you talking about?" And then he's like, "Oh yeah, that was Selma. I know I have, exactly the I character's have, name." I have seen Dancer in the Dark. I just didn't. I wasn't sure where you were connecting it there. <laughs> to to piggyback off of that, sound wise, there's. Have you ever seen a movie um, called Clean Shaven? No. It's, no. Uh, I don't think I've got. Uh, no. It's directed by this dude Lodge Kerrigan, and it um, it stars. I think it came out in like maybe ninety four, ninety six, or something. And it stars Peter Green, who mm-hmm. is extraordinary. You know, he's the I don't I I can't think of anything recently that he's been in, but he was like the villain in The Mask. Okay. Remember oh, that guy? Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, all right. Just a brilliant actor, but he plays a guy with um, severe schizophrenia, and the entire film is like committed like deeply committed to replicating the actual experience of having schizophrenia sonically and so the entire film is like punctuated with all of these crazy sort of grain sounds and stabbing shit and he's looking it's it's really cool if you if you want to it's called clean shaven Okay, interesting. I got it down on the list. Yeah, I'll have to revisit it. That's definitely, definitely something, something to, to watch to. if you're in the mood to be horribly depressed. <laughs> yeah. You know, we should actually do an that speaking of which, we should do an episode on depressing movies because sure. I, I you know, I this love is a fun depressing movies. This is a fun podcast, but I, I mean, I, there are definitely movies that come to mind, right? Oh, yeah, if you say yeah. depressing movies. Yeah. So. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, let's go uh what's the third the third the recommendation, third, Joey? The, the third song is it's a Jody by uh, Royce Wood Jr. Yeah. Yeah, this was nice. I like this. This was uh, a Yeah, a little palate cleanser. Nothing too crazy, just a just a lovely little funk soul jam. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was pretty it was pretty mellow, but I liked that. I kind of liked that it, 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 after cuz I listened to them um I think out of order. I think I listened to the the washing machine and then and then this. <laughs> and so it was kind of <laughs> You've it, gone from yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And, and, they, and they are both actually pretty mellow, but it's just a totally different side of the side of the coin you know definitely yeah the thing that i really like about that track is the um well the thing that stands out is the percussion it's like there's um just this really lovely textural thing going on throughout the whole track and the percussion where it's like this undulating uh it sounds like you know like paper being crumpled up uh, and it's it's just great it gives the whole thing a really nice texture yeah, it's 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 uh it's got it's like uh if vocal fry was a song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, no, it's nice. Although there was no vocal fry in the song. <laughs> but it does have that kind of that uh, texture is a really uh, good way to put it. I've never thought of music as having texture before. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. 
get some of that crunch. Yeah, what do you, know, you, what'd you think of crunchy? crunchy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ben, Ben, what'd you think of uh, Jody? Yeah, yeah no, I, I thought uh, very similarly. I mean, I, I did like, um, you know, just real, real kind of like smooth, you know, uh, it's just like a real smooth track, you know. Um, but I was, I was confused because this is a totally honest moment. But when I was looking this up, I was able to find uh, this. You know, I, I was trying to search for the track, and um, the only thing I could find was the DJ Rum remix. And oh. I don't, I don't know if it was the original track. So, um, <laughs> I think you listened to the wrong song. <laughs> I think I did, but it was, I mean, it was Jody, but I just couldn't track down Rice Wood Junior. Jody. So when I did, oh, it was like, right. it, it was listed as DJ Rum remix. It's on and Spotify. So, yeah, but I'm not on Spotify. Whoa, Ooh, you got to get on that. <laughs> oh, okay. Got to get a, in there. Ben nah. is a anti big business. Well, it's not it's not an anti big business. I know that everybody's on Spotify, but um yeah, I just haven't I haven't jumped on yet. Yeah. All, you'll, you'll all the kids eventually. all the kids are asking me. They're like, Hey, you on Spotify? <laughs> Prof B? And I'm like, No, kids. You gotta search for your music. You gotta listen to the podcast. <laughs> well, you know, there's an argument to be made for that for sure, and an argument to be made for like purchasing music and oh uh, yeah you for know, sure. yeah but there's just nothing like paying 9.99 a month for uh for all the songs in the world every song ever for yeah. all of the all the music just yeah. all of it's there uh, this yeah. this episode brought to you by spotify yeah that's hey, right thanks spotify yeah they're not you know <laughs> <laughs> um I, I wanted to switch gears a little bit um, because I want to I want to ask you I know we Ben and I both have a couple burning questions about just you personally kind of we picked we Dug up some dirt, maybe. This is the segment we call <laughs> we grill where we grill residual culture grills. Mark Ribier Ooh, with a Z. Yeah, hot. Let's turn up the heat. Let's get cooking. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> this is what we, I'm t- we're teaching serious interviewing skills here at the journalism school. So Joey's about Sizzling. to exhibit exhibit those qualities. Oh yeah. Uh, Hit me, Joey. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, there's there's two kind of major things we found in your past, and I think most people actually know uh, know about one of them. Um, so I'm going to bring up the other one first, which is you claim to have f- found an unreleased Sif John Stevens album <laughs> in a dumpster. I definitely did. Yes. <laughs> so I, I don't even I mean, like, I, I know I'm supposed to be exhibiting interviewing skills here, but like what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you give me the story? I need to know more about this. Great questioning, Joey. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. A for, a for the semester. Thank what? you. What? W-U-T? <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, t- I'm speaking to uh, Charlie Rose. Oh, well, no, that's that. That's not in vogue anymore. Yeah, um, <laughs> Charlie Rose can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here's the story. The story is um, I used to work for a company that uh, was in Brooklyn. We were in an office building in, uh, in the Dumbo neighborhood of Brooklyn. And our office happened to be next to Sufjan Stevens' recording studio. Um, oh, okay. We I saw him all the time, uh, you know, when he was in town recording and stuff and uh, got had the pleasure of just like making eye contact with him a few times and nodding <laughs> at him. Uh, and so anyway, they were doing renovations on his studio, uh, I think, for like a, a month or two. And on this one particular day, I came into work and. The uh, some of my coworkers were like, "Dude, you have to come downstairs right now." They're like throwing away a bunch of Sufjan shit in the dumpster, and there's like CDs in there and all sorts of stuff. So we go down there, 
and it's like the you know it's the office dumpster so it's just it's like inside the uh sort of loading bay um of the office building and sure enough there's just like thousands of cds uh, you know all of his official releases seven swans and the christmas album and illinois and you know all all of his albums uh, there were also like these <laughs> funny like name tags from places that he used to work at and all sorts of crazy stuff but then huh. there were a couple copies of this album called stalker and they it was just like in a cdr jewel case with like a printed out insert and a cdr inside that i guess he had drawn on and it had a track listing it said copyright maybe it didn't say copyright i'm not sure but it said something about asthmatic kitty records and um yeah so i grabbed one i should probably should have grabbed more than one but i grabbed one <laughs> And took it with me, listened to it. It's not very good. You can hear it on the internet now. Someone uh, someone took it and, and put it on YouTube, I think. But uh, yes, it is, you know, pretty much as close to 100% certain I can be uh, as being a, a authentic Sufjan piece of has, work. Has, has he commented on this at all? Do you know? Well, this was not my... Not my best moment, um, and I feel pretty bad about it because basically what happened is I, d- I went to the Sufjan Stevens subreddit said, hey, y'all, I've got this thing. Uh, I don't know if anyone's heard it before. I can't find anything about it on the, you know, about it on the Internet. And so, you know, naturally everyone responded and said, you have to upload this right now. We need to hear what this is. And uh, a rep from Asthmatic Kitty Records reached out to me and said, hey, Sounds like you have something pretty special on your hands. Please do not release this. Well, I did. And uh, now it's out there. And I feel really terrible for having gone against the wishes of Asthmatic Kitty. It was really just, uh, it was like an impulse thing. It was basically a result of so many people going like, you know what, dude? This deserves to be heard. I know they told you not to do it, but you should just do it anyway. And, you know, in retrospect, I really shouldn't have. But what's done is done. And, uh, yeah. Do you, do you still have the CD? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I still have That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> and what's funny is it's there's an entry for it on Discogs now uh, where there are, like, two or three people that have it up for sale, but I can't imagine anyone else who would actually have a copy of this. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Well, you know, so... As you know, the the title of the uh, the podcast is residual culture, the stuff that's just left to ha- left behind. You know, it sticks with us. And uh, what what better example of residual culture than a CD you find in the dumpster? Yeah, How I mean, fitting. I know, I know, like they're. I mean, uh, you know, you have your own reasons for feeling that way, and I think there are definitely arguments for releasing it and for not releasing it. But I think it is it is kind of nice that you are kind of preserving this thing. I know he maybe maybe didn't want it out there, but. It is this kind of culture that is being preserved and otherwise would have just been forgotten. That's true. And that was, yeah, I guess I really don't want to defend putting it out. But but that was one of the things I was thinking about is like, if I can put it out, then people will save it and I will not have to be the only one who has this. You know, it's like it is a part of his evolution as an artist. It's a really interesting little piece of work i don't particularly like it but you know 
it's a piece of Sufjan and he's such an incredible musician that, yeah, I don't know. It's just for people who are into his music. It's, it's a cool thing to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's kind of like the unreleased Wu-Tang Clan album, except that's a little bit more of like a... <laughs> Wait, the unreleased one or the Martin Squelly, Squelly like, that one. That, Sorry, the yeah. million dollar record? Or yeah. I don't know how much he paid for it. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was yeah he paid a lot. <laughs> and then, yeah. Now okay. he's in jail. Enough of Farmer Bro. Yeah. Thank <laughs> <God>. <laughs> we don't want to talk about him anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and then, Ben, why don't you ask the other question? Then okay, yeah. Well, this one's the obvious one. So, uh, you know, I'm here, here I'm like bragging about the intrepid research skills of our journalism students. And uh, we're basically just going off, a U- off of a Google search here. <laughs> all right. Uh, so the other thing, obviously, that comes up with you is the, uh, the release of the iPhone and yes. your, posi- your position in line, which you sold to a woman uh, in order, you know, so that she could take your place and acquire iPhones. And I don't know which iPhone version it was, but can you tell us a little bit about that story? Sure. It happens if, if you've seen the news video that which um, is so th- funny. It's it's so good. It's pretty great. <laughs> it it's pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, they, they they put it together, and that's pretty much what happened. But I'll lay it out in a nutshell. I, I uh, you know, was looking forward to getting the very first iPhone, got permission from my parents. Luckily, I was living a lush and uh, comfortable childhood and had parents who, um, you know, had no idea how to restrict my desires. So they were like, yeah, sure. And uh, <laughs> so I showed up to the AT&T store Early in the morning, probably 4 a.m., I was the first one in line, much to my surprise. I had a friend meet me there who was second in line, but who was not uh, purchasing an iPhone. So it was me and my friend. And then over the course of the day, uh, you know, a couple hundred people lined up behind us. And drawing closer to like the 6 or 7 p.m. release time, It's been a long day, and all of a sudden these news vans pull up, and behind them is this Porsche Cayenne, and in this Porsche is a woman who just has these wads of cash, (laughs) waving them around theatrically, talking about buying out the store, and uh, so anyway, the news cameras follow her up to me. Um, retrospectively now I realize I probably could have asked for like $10,000 but (laughs) being a child I was like oh man should I ask for like a thousand and I asked for a thousand bucks we negotiated to 800 she gave me the 800 Uh, I gave her my place in line I swiftly took my friend Colin's place in line who was not buying an iPhone, so I was now second in line. Oh, my they, God. <laughs> they open the doors, and uh, she tries to buy the store out, and it's a one phone per customer rule. She gets <laughs> shafted. I get my iPhone for free. Was she mad God at you? God bless America. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Well, she was upset, but here's the thing. My, my dad, well, and... You know, I wouldn't put too much stock in this, but my dad was with me at the time and he likes to exaggerate. So this may or may not be true, but take it for what it's worth. He apparently asked the woman if, you know, she was like working with Apple or marketing this somehow. And she like told him not to say anything or like winked at him or something. Uh, So it's very possible that this was some sort of, you know, guerrilla marketing maneuver or something, you know, to, to 
to get some exposure for the release. I don't know, but sure. um, a, a little yeah. pseudo event, perhaps, yeah. you know, just right. kind of like uh, pseudo news. Well, yeah, creating yeah. the news, you know, exactly. long history of the pseudo news. They're the pseudo event. That's true. yeah, right, right. So well, fantastic. Yeah. And, and then I mean, that's uh, that, that was basically all my questions I had for you. I, I was just curious, did you, I mean, I, this is maybe kind of odd, but do you have any questions for us just being an interviewee? <laughs> you What's, don't have to. Uh, how, how many people will be listening to this show? Um, We're uh, growing, actually, which has been kind of nice, but I think Joey's got the numbers, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, like, like we, last I checked, which was like two weeks ago. crunch we those numbers. It was, yeah. it was almost 1,100. Yep. Oh, wow. And so, and we've been doing this for, this will be episode 14 14 14 ish i'm not sure what episode this is Hold <laughs> on. a good audience yeah, yeah yeah we uh we got we got pretty lucky actually we, we've 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 been growing well for for how shortly we've been a podcast i mean we started at the beginning of the semester and uh, i mean now it is the end of the semester so yeah. well yeah. i appreciate your rapport and and uh yeah it's it's nice to speak to two people in broadcasting who are you know um who are good at having a conversation. Sure. <laughs> I don't know sure. if we were good at having a conversation, but we've had enough of them that we know how to uh, have some <laughs> playful banter, as Ben likes to say. Yeah, oh, yeah. Let me just ask a real quick question, too, because one of the things that we talk about on the on the podcast is we talk a lot about, you know, the, the reason we started this is because uh, I've had students ask me, you know, I, I'll drop references to various cultural artifacts, whether they be movies or books or music. And then, you know, students will come up and say, like, how do I find out about this? Or can you know? Can you give me a list of recommendations, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, what yeah. did these things mean to you in your life? Um, and so I tried to give that to Joey, right? So the idea is that you know we kind of span the millennial generation. So apparently I'm in the micro generation that leads into uh, the millennials, right? Like I graduated high school in the year 2000, uh, born in the early eighties. And now Joey's on the micro generation. That is apparently the end of the millennial generation. And so let me ask you about, you know, your influences, where, where do you take your influences? What kind of stuff sticks with you? I I won't ask you for like a top five, but just in general, like what do you kind of look for? Where do you look for inspiration when, uh, in, in ways of, you know, something to inspire the things that you do? Oh boy. Um, that's, that's a good question. I think, uh, it's a blend of music, film, and like general observations on the world that are kind of like born and refined through conversations with my friends. You know, like I, um, I, I keep a, a very long and involved log of ideas, topics, and just uh, thoughts and ramblings that mm-hmm. I draw from, uh, you know, in my performances and in my videos. And, uh, yeah, the, 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 it's just a culmination of, I guess, my sense of humor and uh, and the sense of humor of my friends and the people that I bounce ideas off of. But uh, But, yeah, also movies are a big part of it. Um, I, I love movies a lot and have movie pass and watch a lot of them. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, Mm -hmm. I guess culture and media, uh, and those would definitely be my two biggest influences. Media for sure. I watch a lot of interviews, um, unhealthy amount of, of interviews, a lot of Conan, 
uh, Craig Ferguson, Carson, um, you know, just, I, I don't know. I'm fascinated with banter all like between (laughs) two people or between multiple people. Well, and and it's, yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I'm I'm just thinking about like you you know in your live performance one of the things that comes through is that you will have these segments where you will improv a conversation between two people right you like on like a cell phone or something yeah you know? or, or you, you'll have yeah. a setting right like in a boardroom and then you say okay well you know I'm gonna need those those reports or whatever <laughs> right and then it, you you kind of you play off these these characters off of one another and so you know would you say that some of this stuff comes from the interview and and maybe the way that people live their lives and you know where do your, your characters come from definitely I mean yes I you know like Throughout my life, I've been, I guess, sort of subconsciously refining this um, sort of natural back and forth improvisation. And I I love using that. I use it a lot in my live performances. I'll have these little sort of interstitial bits where I'll do any number of things, whatever comes to mind. Like a couple weeks ago, I did uh, just like someone being fired from their job. So, you know, like the employee walking into the, to the, to their manager's office and the manager sort of letting them know grace as gracefully as they can, that they're being let go. And then the employee <laughs> freaks out. But I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm attracted to people having conversations and I think it's funny and weird the way that people talk and react to each other. And yeah, I don't know that, that fuels a lot of my stuff for sure. Yeah, you know, in fact, I'll 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 give that, you know, usually sometimes when I'm lecturing even and I have to come up with something off the top of my head, I'll I usually call on like archetypes, right? Like the the disgruntled young lover who says XYZ, right? And yeah. then, you know, I'll offer some advice or whatever. So I always I was kind of play on that because, you know, perhaps there's something that, you know, the students can connect to like, "Oh yeah, I know that couple," right? The couple that says uh I told a story today in class as a matter of fact of a uh you know, this couple that sat across from me in high school and um, they were arguing and I just looked up, you know, and, and I'm like, do you guys argue like all the time? And they got this real serious look on their face, or at least the guy did. And he said, are, are you serious? That's how you know it's real. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure, but but OK, you know, revel in your conflict, you know, whatever works for that relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it kind of reminded me a little bit of a, a piece that you did, I believe, in your 420 show uh, between a it was a um, it was a live performance and there was a a conversation that was going on between two lovers, right? And it was like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, you never treat me that way, and then you know you switch your voice back and forth on the, using the uh, using the keyboard and stuff. And I thought it was it was it was great. Well, thank you. Yeah, I I think it's fun and it's a good way to split up. You know, it's. The, the the whole thing about the show, which is really what I've been leaning into, I mean, that's that's my full-time job now, and it's, uh, you know, is like creating a, not really a narrative arc, but you have to create some sort of arc from beginning to end, like, or, or, or really you just have to establish some sense of, like, movement through variety, you know, I can't just do, like, song, 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 back to back to back, so I like to d- I just punctuate the performance with random shit whether it's me like laying down on the ground and doing nothing or like (laughs) not saying anything and just but just like looking at everybody for an uncomfortably long time or I don't know it's like yeah whatever like leaning on my keyboard and making it make weird noises just by like shoving my elbow down on it I don't know there's there's an infinite 
an infinite variety of things you can do up there. And I, people, people enjoy, well, the people that I want watching enjoy being uncomfortable. Yeah, it's interesting too. And, and just a note for the listeners out there, if you haven't checked out Mark's stuff, be sure to go check it out because I think one of the things that's striking about it is the, the variety. I was, I was uh, you know, I've kind of complimented you already. You're, but you're I, clearly like a very like talented musician, like just because like of the loops that you can create. That's that's where I was going to go next because there you know there there's these moments where there's the kind of initial beat construction which is which is really fun to watch and see how you put sounds together and mix it all together. Uh, some people have called you a master of loops, which I like. <laughs> master um, of master. loops, I love it. The master of <laughs> loops. Uh, but then you go into a dialogue, but then it's also it's kind of punctuated by these moments of like really nice kind of uh, uh, command of the instrument, right? So you get this kind of like you know, classic shredding, you know, kind of solo stuff, which really shows, you know, some musical talent that comes through as well, which I think kind of sets you apart from some other, you know, people that I've seen that kind of, you know, people can make a loop, but then, you know, you've got a little bit more, a lot more variety, as you said, in your show. Well, I'm just trying to change it. You know, that's the whole thing is that like, you know, I have residencies here in Dallas where I do a show every week at the same place. And, uh, I, uh, the whole thing is like it's got to be a different show every time it has to be a different experience a different show every time so it's it's very draining it takes a lot of energy but yeah it's it's just about trying to come up with you know just just keep challenging myself and trying to you know add different sounds to the arsenal and and uh yeah hopefully it it comes out right more times than not hopefully I wanted to I wanted to jump back just a little bit because you were talking about how you're inspired a lot, like how much you love film and you have this movie pass. And I mean, I think that's kind of my connection to almost everything we talk about, whether it be books or music or, you know, anything that's not related to movies. I always somehow end up relating it back to movies um, just because I love movies so much. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I remember because you just you recently did like a movie review of uh, as a, a quiet place, right? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. And that was that was like your first kind of like step into that world that like talking about movies instead of music. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I I think I actually scored it a little too high upon further reflection. Really interesting. I, I actually I haven't seen it because I hate scary movies. Um, and so. Oh well, yeah, well, definitely don't see it. I mean, it it succeeds <laughs> fully on the scare front for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm yeah. I'm not as a, a fan of scary movies, but. Kind of the way that I always bring it back to movies, no matter what we're talking about, I noticed in your review, you you brought up the music in the movie, which is something that I've never thought about or like talked about with someone. Whenever I talk about movies, I'm, the one thing I don't bring up really is like, oh, did you listen to like the score of the movie? Like, did you listen to like how the music influenced it? Do you find that you kind of come back to the music in movies? And, and if so, like what are what like how do you think about it? And what are other movies that have like really strong musical accompaniments? Uh, well, I, the the big one that comes to mind um i i only come back to a movie score i don't do a lot of like listening to movie scores alone i okay. like them when they're paired with the film and you know certain iconic ones obviously i like to listen to from time to time but the one that really jumps out to me is uh well i'll say recently a lot of the work that johnny greenwood has been doing for paul thomas anderson is really incredible okay, like yeah. oh my gosh really incredible like the and Phantom actually stuff. uh he did a another score for your um 
fuck, what's the, the, these fucking movies this year that are all just <laughs> sentences? You were never really here. That's what it oh, is. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, was a Johnny Greenwood joint, and it's excellent. But, uh, yeah, the one that really jumps out to me is Koyana Skatsi. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, not, no. it's part of the trilogy, right? The Koyana Skatsi the tr- trilogy, yeah. Y- yes, the first in the trilogy, scored by Philip Glass, and it is oh my gosh. one of the most extraordinary pieces of music I can think of. And uh, yeah, it's like, it's one of those things that is just indelibly married to that film and is just a work of art. It's incredible. Philip Glass, uh, cousin of Ira Glass, actually, of This American Life, uh, one of my Get the heroes. fuck out of here, really? <laughs> no, yeah, they're cousins. <laughs> I didn't know what? that either. Are you no, sure? Uh, no, I, I'm 100% sure, yes. They are, they are cousins. Wow. Yeah, Ira Glass and Philip Glass are cousins. We're going to have to verify that. I can verify that. I, <laughs> I promise you. I've... I, because I talked to Ira Glass about this. I met him once. Interesting. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, did he? Did um, I'm sorry. The the composer Green. Johnny Greenwood. Johnny Greenwood. Uh, as you can tell, the music is not my of Radiohead. My <laughs> yeah. Overrated <laughs> Eohead. Sorry. Whoa. Um, hey Whoa. Hot takes. Hot takes. <laughs> um, uh, did he do the music for Phantom Thread? Yes. He, he did. did. Okay. Because yeah. the music in Phantom Thread was. Really absolutely powerful. that was beautiful. that was one of the movies i was thinking of recently that like i could actually talk about the music in it but yes. most movies i i'm not i'm not thinking about the music that much and I, I don't know if that's intentional or not for composers but can i, I well can i yeah can i just jump in here real quick because <laughs> i was actually really happy that you mentioned uh johnny Gruen and especially paul thomas anderson because i can go back and watch paul thomas anderson films basically every one right and the music or the sound is so good and plays such a big role in setting a a mood setting the stage even by the way i'll just say there will be blood just opens fade in with this kind of discordant rising uh uh uh, music it is just so good i've just i never think about it masterful yeah. Masterful. And also, by the way, which a lot of people when it came out love to trash this movie, but uh, Punch Drunk Love, which Paul Thomas I Anderson I love also, Punch Drunk Love. Such a good movie, I thought. And because it was specifically, you know, in a time when Adam Sandler was still doing, well, he was starting to transition, I believe, into doing some more kind of quote unquote serious roles, you know, after the Happy Gilmore days and, and, all, and Billy Madison and all that. But man, that movie and the sound, I would often show that sometimes as an as an example of how sound can really uh, influence a scene, you know? Yeah, it's dude that I, I love that movie. It's such an odd thing, such a strange, bizarre piece of work, but it's it's just yeah. excellent. And yeah, I think There Will Be Blood is definitely one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. It's just this tribal insanity that like really reflects the uh just the furor of fucking yeah. daniel plainview you know uh, oh my gosh so good i drink from your milkshake <laughs> i drink it up <laughs> uh real quick on the koyana skatsi note did you happen to see because i just saw this relatively recently and i'd say probably within the last uh year or year and a half maybe two years is uh samsara did you see that one as well uh, you know, I think I watched like half of it. Everyone who said, everyone said, because I think it was directed by Godfrey Reggio, who was mm. the cinematographer on Koyana Skatsi. Um, right. But yeah, like every, every time I watch it, I just, 
I don't know why, but I feel like I'm watching someone trying to do Koyana Scotsy again. I don't, I don't know why. I just yeah. never have gotten through it. No, yeah. It. I would say that's totally fair. I, I just think that um, I think I probably watched it at the right time because I hadn't watched that kind of a film, you know, for a while. But it just it, it's really striking in, in, in like where it starts and where it goes. And you're left with this just impression of humanity at the end, which mm. is just like. Uh, really striking, and so you, you think back about this stuff, and and I've thought for a while about showing particular sequences from that film in some of my classes because I think they do a really good job at at just showing you behind the scenes of like, you know, uh, you know, industrial labor in China or whatever, like what that factory life looks like later on in the film. It's it's amazing. Oh wow. Okay. So, well, maybe I'll give it another anyways. go through. Yeah, yeah. Give it a. Tr- I'd say give it a shot. At least try and finish it at some point. There's my recommendation for next week, Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, do your homework. That's right. Yeah. All right, professor. That's right. <laughs> that's uh that's how I feel doing a podcast with Ben. But you know, <laughs> the last the last just like quick quick shout out to a movie I wanted to bring up just cuz I thought of it was um I just I just recently recently watched uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, Silence and there's only mm. one song in that movie because the movie's, you know, it's about silence and it's about questioning your religion and everything, but the it's really powerful and that that did stick with me. It's kind of this just really building drums and stuff. Um, so, I, I oh, think. cool. Yeah, I have not gotten around to sing "Silence" yet, but I would like to. Uh, if it's there's not a lot of music in it. There's only I believe there's only one song that I can like literally think of. I think most of the movie is like natural sounds and and yelling and talking. But <laughs> um, there is there is one very powerful song in it, and, and you can hear it in the trailer of the movie and everything. But um, how did you like it? Was it good? Um, it's. Ooh. Really powerful. I, it's oh. de- it's depressing, uh, but it's it's a. I, I think it's a great movie. Um, I I can see why people wouldn't necessarily like it, but I I, I think that the questioning your re- own religion is just is, is like is the theme of the mu- of the of the movie, and it's just it's got this crazy. I think that's kind of why it's so quiet the whole time, because you know, like one of the scenes um, by the the main character, he's just like are you there god can you hear me but like it's like is there just silence joe are, are we going to have a moment where we see you in the corner see you in the spotlight what losing your religion oh <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't sure that was going i wasn't um, quite sure how to unfold that little yeah, reference but gonna, uh gonna, you know i was just thinking music and religion and questioning okay fine there it is uh it's it, yeah si- silence yeah. is a good movie but uh yeah it's, it's powerful it's a few few tor- torture scenes that are a little hard to get through but um, yeah. So, well, Mark, I, thank you so much for being on. We really appreciate it, man. Guys, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you, and I hope I hope I gave you what you wanted. Oh, oh, you gave us what we wanted, and so and so much more, Mark. We we really graced us with your your beautiful voice. You're so you're so damn well spoken too. I just gotta say. Oh. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's <laughs> a like, scholar you know, and love... a gentleman. Yeah, exactly. Listen, if there's anyone out there in radio. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm very much interested in a career in broadcasting. Get me out of this music shit. Let's go. Well, I I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do also work at uh, the local NPR stations. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell go. tell Ira I said hello. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Is is there is there? Uh, <laughs> I wish I could, but <laughs> uh, is there anything that you wanna is there anything you wanna plug on the podcast before uh, we sign out? Um, you know, I would like to plug, uh, just. A, a positive outlook <laughs> and uh, and an attitude of kindness and lo- I've been watching a lot of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation recently and some, some great music there. 
Oh, yes. And just a, a fucking great show. It's my first time watching it. But there's this really wonderful, hopeful future depicted there. And a, a future that where, where really we all just sort of live to support each other and like reach a common goal of like, you know, furthering the human race. And I don't know. I, yeah, I just like that. And it's good to be good to each other. Also, yeah. I have a YouTube channel. Check it out. <laughs> Love it. Plugging world peace and the YouTube channel at hey. the same time. Yeah. Got to squeeze uh, it in there. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And actually uh, on that note, uh, you said that you were going to be releasing a video real soon for the songs that you recommended on this show. So we'll go ahead and link to that video uh, in the podcast description. So all our listeners can check it out, check out some of Mark's stuff. We highly recommend it. Uh, it's been a great uh, pleasure to have him on today. Um, yeah. And, yeah, if you, if you want to uh, follow residual culture on any of the social media channels, you know Facebook, Instagram, and and uh, the Twitters, you can uh, follow us just by <laughs> just search residual culture. We are not really sure what our usernames are anymore, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you can also email us at residualculturepodcast at gmail Yep. And uh, so again, thanks very much to our special guest Mark Ribier. Uh, this has been Residual Culture. I'm Ben Birkenbein. I'm Joey Lovato. And Mark. And I'm Mark Ribier. Oh, that smooth, <laughs> smooth voice. Uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> Get into it.